Patrick Hooch from the Carlton Footy Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Dane Zorko here from the Brisbane Lions. Jason Johannesson from the Western Bulldogs. Luke Parker here from the Sydney Swans. It's Roy Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Maxwell and Melbourne Football Club. This is Matt Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. The number 38 most relevant player I have as West Coast Eagle, Andrew Gaff. Look, over the past few years... He's been one of the most underrated and consistent midfield premiums for us across all our formats. But will he do it again in 2020? That is the big question. Helping me talk about Andrew Gaff, a regular and let's go with co-founder of the Draft Doctors. I've got Stevie Fizz. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm good, MJ. How are you doing, mate? Um, great to be part of the the series again. Mate, it's good to have you back. A couple of days ago, we had DOS. We've elevated it now by bringing you in. Uh, <laughs> No, he, he did a good job. Um, that is for sure. Let, let's talk about Andrew Gaff. He's a fascinating one. I know people that listen to you guys' content, uh, which you can go and check out through all of your podcasts. Go and search the Draft Doctors. A guy do guys do fantastic single season and keeper league content. Some know some of your thoughts or questions around Gaff. So I'll be keen to get your take on him as we go through this episode. But look, just twenty seven years old, midfield only. His best scores last year came against the Gold Coast Suns. In all formats, it was 144 in Dream Team and Fantasy, 154 in Supercoach. In Supercoach, his average is a 107. He's going to set you back just a little bit under $600,000 this year, while for AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, 111 is his average, just a touch over 800000 while it's yet to be revealed at time of recording what he's going to set us back in AFL Fantasy officially. Uh, and, and see, when we talk about Andrew Gaff, he, he wasn't a starting squad option for us missing those opening two games of the year it impacted in some regards where he went with drafts but it also meant that those that liked what he did in 2018 couldn't start him in 20 um in 2017 couldn't start him in 2019 yeah you're right he um he, he would have been hard for the, the salary cappers to pick and and i was probably down on him a little bit at the start of of last year for draft missing those Opening game certainly. If you if you picked him, you got a, a fantastic player. We know how durable he is every year. Just um, an anomaly with the suspensions. Mm. Well, look, he ended up once he did. You're right. Once he got out there, we showed uh, to everybody around him his footballing prowess. Um, 31 possessions was his seasonal average. 22 of them uncontested. Something very common with an Andrew Gaff style of game. He does rank elite in the league for kicks, handballs, clearances uncontested possessions, uncontested marks and inside 50s. And from a fantasy perspective, well, in Supercoach, he delivered 14 scores uh, of 100 or more, five of them over 120, including that 154 against the Suns, and finished the year with an average of 107. Added to his ceiling, well, he just had the six games under 100 and nothing below 76. While for Fantasy and Dream Team, it's even better. 16 scores of his 20 games were 100 or more, Eight of those tons were 110 plus, and his lowest score for the year was 91. And if for whatever reason you picked him up after the multi-buy round, well, his final nine games of the year, his lowest score was 100. He had an absolute belter of a year last year. Yeah, yeah, he was, <laughs> he was amazing. The one thing that sort of strikes me as odd is that he, his high score in AFL Fantasy wasn't higher. yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just so consistent. Yeah, he's one of those guys that, while he does possess this ceiling about him in terms of the frequency of 120s, um, what we when we talk about ceiling, there's really only 
two scores of 130 and above. And while it feels horrible to say it like that, if you're picking him in a salary cap format of the game, maybe a little bit different in a draft strategy, depending on where you get him, um, you are factoring him alongside guys like Trelaws and Merritts and Kellys and Tarantos, who all probably have a little bit more ceiling than him. That's probably the one, you know, if you're looking for knocks on Andrew Gaff, maybe that's it. Well, I mean, if he if he doesn't have a high ceiling, but he's got a high average, yeah, the the floor is pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible, and it really did what we saw last year. Is it backed up his his breakout twenty eighteen season, where he elevated himself from you know a really consistent performer to a genuine top eight midfielder. He averaged one ten in fantasy from his nineteen games. He hit the triple figure range in thirteen of those. Of those thirteen hundreds, eight were over one ten and three over one forty six. So we saw a little bit more ceiling from him in twenty eighteen and in Supercoach, one oh eight average of the year, and he rewarded coaches in that format with fourteen tons. And between round two and ten in twenty eighteen, a stretch of nine consecutive tons. I, I think though, um, Steve, when we talk about him, there, there's kind of been one knock historically on Gaff, and that is what happens when he gets a tag? But we saw in a couple of games last year, most notably in round 12 against Sydney with Ryan Clark, uh, and then the next game in round 14 against Dylan Clark, normally a tag has kind of shut him down. But in both of those games, it didn't destroy his scores like it has previously. Yeah, no, he's really become uh, you know one of the elite players of the competition. You could argue the best wingman in the game if you wanted and you probably wouldn't have too many arguments. No, I wouldn't have thought so. And look, like many of our premiums, he scores better in wins than he does losses. In wins last year in Dream Team and Fantasy, he averaged 113.3. Losses is 105. Supercoach, 109 for victories and 103 in losses. So look, small deviation there, but it's an interesting one, that's for sure. Um, and you touch on, made a really interesting point right at the top of this episode. He's got these kind of the three key things we're looking for whether you play salary caps or drafts there are a number of things you're looking for you're always looking for a guy that's got a scoring ceiling about him he's got those frequency of hundreds um his floor or his basement whatever you want to call it is is relatively high and then gosh his durability he just does not miss games does he no and it's just super important you know we always say your your best ability is your availability so he um he certainly ticks that box. Does it? And again, I know you you don't venture too much into the hashtag off brand style of things. But is a, a player's durability even more of a factor in drafts than it is in salary cap formats? Do you believe? Uh, maybe in terms of how you, how you draft them. Uh, but I think it, I would assume it'd be more important in in the salary cap format, just because in draft you can um, fill in someone off the waiver wire, whereas in in salary cap, you're using a trade, yeah. which is valuable, obviously. Yeah, and again, depending on the formats you play, if they're limited or they're the multiple a week like an AFL fantasy, you know, these are all the things you've got to factor into his game. There was kind of one part of his game that not just did he start to show he can handle a tag, but I know uh, you guys at the Draft Doctors do a lot of work tracking um, center bounce attendances for players. And it, and it kind of leads me into, I guess if there's one big concern around Tim Kelly, and I'm keen on your take about it, is we started to see him move more into the center square than ever before. Like, depending on the game, it was between 20% up to 50% of center bounces, sort of in the back half of the year. Do you think that's going to continue on for us in 2020? No, no I don't, actually. <laughs> um, I think he, he, he and, and one of either Redden or Sheet are certainly going to um, 
move out of that role. Um, one of the things that's interesting is like we, we saw his numbers really spike, like the contested numbers and the clearances. When Matt Prudis left, which is something you may expect, because there's obviously, you know, Matt Prudis is such a uh, inside beast. Uh, so Gaff really picked up the slack in those areas. So with West Coast finishing dead last in contested ball, uh, I think it's only natural that they, they'd get a good, you know, Gaff's a good contested player, um, but he's certainly a better outside player. So he can win those those sort of balls on the outside. Um, so there's a big change that's come into the West Coast midfield group. Uh, it cost them a lot, and uh, I think it's a, he's a good addition to their side. Talk to me, what do you think about the inclusion of Tim Kelly will have? Because from a contested possession perspective last year, he averaged 12 a game, 26 disposals in a game, uh, was picking up around about six clearances on average in a game. He's going to come straight into that midfield. What impact do you think that's going to have on that West Coast midfield structure? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You're still got, going to have your Yo and Shuey at the top, I would have thought. And then, you know, I really expect Gaff and Redden to move to the outside. I know some people are considering Sheed going back forward, which we saw a couple of years ago. Well, no, it'll probably happen, but it'll just probably mean a bigger rotation in the centre square which means you're going to get less opportunity in there, especially if you're not one of those top two guys like Yo and Chewy, just the absolute premium. So I think they were top 15 in, in clearances. Yeah, they were huge. And Kelly's going to just add to that because he ranked elite in the league for clearances, contested possessions, goal assists, inside 50s. So he's going to add a new dynamic. Certainly Nick Natanui, uh, if fit, is going to just add to the silver service those West Coast midfielders are, are going to be getting. I guess the the big thing is, look, until we see some of the Marsh preseason games, unless you can read the future, no one really is going to know just exactly what and where and how they structure up. We can all, you know, forecast and hypothesize, but does this impact gaff scoring? Does it not? We're just doing a really educated guess, I suppose, at one perspective. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a fair point. Um I think he'd be more affected in super coach. I yeah. think those contested those contested numbers they'll they'll drop a couple of game. The clearances will drop a couple of game. Um, but in AFL fantasy, like West Coast were one of the um, they had they was ranked seventeenth for disposals. Um, but, but Gaff took ten percent of their disposals. Just about like it, his numbers were really crazy when you when you compare it at a team perspective. Uh, they ranked third for marks West Coast. So again, Gaff set a career high in marks per game. He, he's just a fascinating player. So what he loses on the inside, which affects his super coach, he, he might be able to make it back on the outside in, in your actual fantasy format. I'm cagey, but, you know, he's a gun. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. Look, if you look at just the pure top line, you know, his, his tackle, you know, count last year dropped marginally. Um, his goals dropped. You know, his marks went up a little bit last year. Possessions went up a, a, a little bit, and that was more kicks than it was anything else. So I think for people that are looking at Andrew Gaff, the beauty of him in, in salary caps, and it's going to be interesting to get your take in a minute on what and where and how you draft him, is you do get that chance to take a look at him. You don't have to have him in that starting squad. Because he's got the round 12 by, he makes himself a real easy target, either entering into round 13 um, as a trade target or someone a little on the early side of that. It's not that guy that if you don't get him at round one, he doesn't seem to be that sort of guy that he's going to bust out 
eight weeks of 120 and really hurt you on the start. No, he, well, yeah, it's an interesting one. He'd be a, probably a point of difference player, I would have thought. Um, but I guess if he has that first buy, he'd probably look to trade him in. Yeah, I, I'm really quite like him. I think if you look back at his 2018 season, again, it's really different to, to compare apples to apples because Tim Kelly coming into that midfield is going to be interesting. I agree. I think he does lose a, a fair bit of that inside role. Again, what sort of negating midfielder does um, Adam Simpson choose to employ or not is going to be interesting. But from a reference point, again, you know, just purely top line, his averages across Dream Team and Supercoach are fairly comparable. And in 2018, he spent a lot more time on the outside than he did this year. Uh, his numbers in terms of possessions, marks, goals, tackles, things like that are, are well within, you know, one or two of each other. So if you want to look for, like you said, a little bit of a, a unique option, I think he could be quite that because in terms of consistency, durability, frequency of hundreds, he ticks all those boxes for us, doesn't he? Yeah, you're right, and and I look at my draft rankings, and I don't. I, I know people want the the top eight mids in their their formats. I don't have him in the top eight mids for my ranks, but the guys in front of him have bigger question marks. Yeah, uh, durability, namely one of them, the most common one. Yeah, and it's fascinating, isn't it? Is people we've got we look at those big premium midfielders, and some of them have come through the fifty most relevant, others don't. Is what happens to that GWS midfield with the likes of De Boer coming back in and Callan Ward coming back in? Um, what impact does Tom Mitchell come back from injury have? And people that listen to your podcast have, have heard some of the thoughts and reflections uh, the the draft doctors has had around that. Um, does Josh Dunkley do it again? Can Brad Crouch and Matt Crouch um, take another level? Does Patrick Dangerfield stay that split role? Does he not? I know we can, you know, put a question mark on everyone if we make it really hard, but Gaff's got one, but how significant it is over others, whether it be injury or formal role, probably doesn't feel as drastic. No, I think you're right. Um, Where I've got him ranked, I probably won't end up with him in a whole lot of drafts. But, you know, West Coast fans, he seems really safe, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's talk about where you draft him again. Every strategy requires, uh, every format requires a different strategy, and depending on the you know the depth of what you've got on field versus what you've got on your bench, you know everything's different. But where do you feel like in super coach formats as opposed to dream team and fantasy formats? Is there much variation you believe in terms of where he goes? Uh, I think he'll go. Yeah, he's probably. This is weird because I think he's more likely to drop off in super coach. But he's probably better value just because he'll go later. Yep. I've got him ranked at M18, which means that's probably about a fourth rounder. Yeah, Probably won't get him there. Yeah, so in your eyes, you're going, look, ideally, you'd probably be happy to pick him up as an M2, M3 is probably a bit closer for you? Yeah, if I've gone heavy in the mids, he'd, he'd be an ideal third mid. Yeah. And again, everyone has a different strategy, don't they? Some will want to lock away um, the likes of a Lloyd, a Whitfield, a Grundy or Gorn with that first pick. Others will go, nah, I might hunt for a little bit of value and breakout options and go four or five midfielders deep early on. Everybody chooses to approach it differently. Yeah, and I think that's the the big question, especially in the AFL Fantasy Dream Team format, is is who am I comfortable pairing him with? Because he'll probably go around the turn. Yeah. So it's like, do you want to pair him with a Dusty? Do you want to pair him with a Lloyd? Or do you want to pair him with maybe a riskier midfield uh, option like a, a Kelly if he happens to slip in your draft? Someone like that, or a Canelio even. 
Yeah, no, it's true. Look, I think one thing's for sure is Andrew Gaff needs to seriously be um, factored in both for drafts and for salary cap formats this year. History says he's going to be a good pick. Where you get him, well, that's going to be a real interesting one. And how much does Tim Kelly impact? It'll be something to watch through the Marsh preseason games. Hey, Steve, appreciate your thoughts today on Andrew Gaff. Uh, yeah, cheers. I just had one other little thing. Um, it was uh, interesting reading through the Fit Footballistics book. I don't know if you've um, mm. your listeners have read that one, but there's a there's a thing that happens um, with Western Australia based players when they hit the 200 to 250 game range is they actually suffer a, a drop, mm. and they think it's due to the travel over the years. And Andrew Gass actually he hit 195 games when you factor in his finals, so. It's, um, you know, maybe it's driving down Narrative Street a little bit, but it's one of those things to, to be aware of, I think. Isn't that what the, you know, the fantasy preseason really is all about? It's, you know, until we get games, until we see <laughs> structures, it's all hypothetical. And it, what a fascinating bit of insight it is. Like, gosh, if that happens, you look like freaking Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, we do. We do. Um, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, that's, it's, what it's all about. that's what we love about the preseason. You know, it's, it's all about starting the conversation, looking at the, you know, the possibilities of what may and may may not be. And if you loved your draft content, make sure you go and check out check out the draftdoctors.com.au. I believe your mock simulator that's going to be back up again this year, mate. Yeah, we'll have the simulator up at the end of the um, near the end of the month. Uh, we got the draft kit this year, so yeah. A lot of things happening. Yeah, heaps of stuff. You can go and check it out on Google Podcasts, uh, on your Apple Podcasts as well, Spotify. Really, you can go and check out their stuff everywhere you do that. We love what you guys do and appreciate all the fine work you bring to the fantasy footy community. If you want to read the article uh, that is all back on Andrew Gaff, you can go and check that out at coachespanel.tv. Plenty more preseason content coming from the Coaches Panel and another of the 50 most relevant drops tomorrow.